Hey, can we talk about love and grace for a moment? Can we do that? Can we talk about also uh, tolerance and what's the difference between loving someone and tolerating uh, sin? Let me explain what I mean. What I want to if I was a title this episode I'm going to title it Extend Grace and Grace in case some of you who are listening are not familiar with the meaning of it Grace simply means unmerited or undeserved favor in other words you are receiving rather we are receiving what we do not deserve and of course, the ultimate form of grace is the, is the grace that God gives us. And one of the most powerful verses that talks about grace, or two verses rather, is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for by grace, you could also say unmerited or undeserved favor, we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it was, he says, you know, by the grace of God, I am who I am. In other words, we live every day by God's grace. Every time that we inhale and exhale, that is grace being extended to every living creature. Uh, humans and non-humans alike. So every day is a day of grace for all of mankind. And we should be thankful to God always for his grace, which he does not have to give to us. He does not have to extend it. All right. So, so let me get to the crux of the matter and when people, particularly those of us who are believers, fall into sin, we need to extend grace to one another. It's easy for us to tear each other down, to to uh, tear each other apart and to criticize and to talk about and to slander and all that kind of stuff. But how often are we willing to extend grace to one another now? I want to be clear on how this grace should be administered, all right? So when someone falls into sin, we don't sweep the sin under the rug. We're not helping the person that committed the sin by sweeping it under the rug like it never happened, all right? If we're going to do this God's way, then the person who's committed the offense needs to be, that, that offense needs to be brought up to them so that they have an opportunity to go to God, repent of the sin, and be restored to a place of righteousness. Remember the word of God in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he, that being God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A minister years ago that I used to listen to said, that is the Christian's bar of soap. That is how we stay clean, is that we confess our sins on a regular basis. Because although we are redeemed people, 
evil sin still resides in our mortal flesh, unfortunately, until we are, until our, until our bodies are redeemed, until we are made immortal, until we are just like Christ in the, in the fact that, in the reality that we are now incorruptible. Sin has no longer dominance over us. All right. So what, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what the Bible commands us to do when we see a brother or a sister overtaken in a fault. Let me read to you in the book of Galatians. All right. It's the sixth chapter, which is the last chapter of that book. And we start at the first verse. So Galatians chapter six, I'm gonna get it going in just a few seconds here. Galatians chapter six, starting with verse one. It says, brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that's what the King James version says, but I wanna read a different version instead of the King James. Let's do with, uh, let's, we're going to go amplify. Brother, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Verse two, carry one another's burdens and this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when in fact he has nothing special in his own eyes, he deceives himself. All right. So that is the rule of thumb when it comes to restoring your brother, your sister who has fallen into sin. It says that we are to restore them in a spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, we're not all of that. I mean, the very thing that we're condemning them for, our sin may be right around a corner lurking to grab us and to entangle us and to get us caught up. So we want to be very careful on how we deal with each other when someone is caught up in sin. So the same grace that you want extended to you is the same grace that you want to extend to your, to your brother or to your sister or to, or even to someone who is not in, in, you know, in the family of God. Once again, we don't want to, you don't want to ignore the sin that they committed, but you want to encourage them and implore them to go to God, confess the sin so that God can forgive them of the sin, be cleansed of their unrighteousness, and we move on. You know, we put it in the rear view, and then eventually the rear view of the sin will dissolve, it will go away as we, as the person separates themselves from it. You follow what I'm saying? So we want to be able to extend grace to our brothers and sisters. That's how we are to love them. Let me look at another passage of scripture here that we should uh, take a look at. The one that talks about our struggle in detail is in Romans chapter seven. That's Paul talking about his struggle with his sin. Now, Paul was a Titan, a giant in the first century church. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He, he was 
mightily used by God, yet he was also very human and oftentimes got very weak like we all do. So we can identify with Paul in his struggle. This is what he says about his own his own life. He says this Romans chapter seven. And let's see where what verse do I want to begin at? Let's see. Let's start at verse 15. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not practice what I want to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Now, if I habitually do what I do, what I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now it is no, lo no longer I who do it, but sin, which lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Verse 20, but if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that the acts, but the sin nature which lives in me. So I find it to be a to be the law of my inner self that evil is present in me the one who wants to do good for I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self but I see a different law and rule of action in the members of my body regarding my appetites and desires waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is within my members wretched and miserable man that I am who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. Wow. So that's Romans chapter 7. I started with verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter, which was verse 25. So I let, read 11 verses. And so right there, Paul is bemoaning and decrying the struggle that he's going through with his with his flesh. He said with his mind and with his inner man, he wants to do what's good. But he finds that in his flesh, which does not want to do good, he is doing evil. And the good that he wants to do, he finds himself not doing it. But the evil that he does not want to do, he finds himself doing that. That is the struggle of that's heard across the world. All of us can relate to that that struggle of the of the flesh and of the mind and of the spirit. And for those of us who are in Christ, who are struggling and fighting the good fight, we're going to do that our whole life long. So that is what we're dealing with. And that's why even more so that we have to extend grace to one another when people are struggling with their sin, whether I mean, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's uh, cussing, whether it's fornication, whether it's gambling, whether it's it could be a variety of different things. It could be overeating. It could be a, a laziness. It could be a variety of different things that we struggle with. And there are people that are genuinely they want to be free, but they don't know how to be free. And there are others who simply have given up and have accepted that this is the way that it is and won't fight anymore. And so people are struggling on different levels with their walk 
with the Lord and we have to be most compassionate and most gracious to them and, and undergird them and support them in their struggle because we're all struggling at, at some point. Matter of fact, this is what it says in the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. I think, uh, let's see. Chapter three, verse two, I'll read it. It says, in many things we all stumble. If any stumble not in word, the same as a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. He says, in many things we all stumble. James chapter three, verse two. That's the human experience, folks. We go through difficult times. Of like, but once again, we have to extend grace to one another. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. It's a very popular phrase. And we want to be able to love and support one another in our our daily walk. So that's all I wanted to say in regards to uh, the whole thing about extending grace. Let's love one another. Let's encourage one another to confess our sin and to pray for one another, the Bible says, so that we may be healed. That's in James chapter five. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All right. God bless till next time.